So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back. It's the Running Rugby Podcast. Archie, Toby and Leo here for another week to break down all the rugby action from the weekend and look forward to a, another couple of rounds. So, boys, we've got the Super Rugby AU. It's getting into mid-season now. Super Rugby Aotearoa finally mm-hmm. saw the Chiefs out there. Fair bit to get through. Let's start with Super Rugby AU, though, boys. And Friday night, it all started off Waratahs. The woes continue. 16 points going down to the Western Force, 20. Even with a red card at the end there and playing against 14 men, they couldn't quite get enough to get a win back down there at Bankwest. Yeah, really disappointing again for the Waratahs. Like, three from three now um, against the Force. First win for them since 2017, I think. Um, And... Oh, the Waratahs would just be hurting. Like they've had their two big beat up weeks. Had a week where they probably sat back and got a bit of love and and looked for you know a, a fresh start, and they've been beaten up again. And um, you know there's some good things out of it. I think the the change for Maddox at, on the wing and um, Mark Nwanganitawasi at fullback I thought looked good in parts, but you know we're still seeing examples of Maddox not being able to tackle, uh, and the force just you know more guys. Can, rising up coming through uh ansi there at blindside had a great game he's an x7s player um but with the forces senior veterans playing well and then also having the the youngsters front up as well like they played a great game they played 80 minutes and and they got a a well-deserved win yeah, and I mean, the, the Waratahs did start off well in this game. They got mm. the early try, were up the 13-0 lead, and then the Force were just able to fight their way back into it. And it was it is kind of a different Force team to what we saw last year. They are able to play the full game and not let their guard down too much. And I just was really impressed by the way they brought it over in Sydney. And it's a huge win for them after such a long time without a win in Super Rugby. Um and really took advantage of a Waratahs team that's really down on confidence. Um, they're really feeling the heat. And I think they, they were improved in this game, but it, it wasn't enough. Yeah, and that was the final word that all these all the media that's talking about Rob Penny, whether he survives as coach or not. And apparently the board just wanted to see some sort of improvement coming from the boys this way. And I think that's they did see an improved performance from the Tars there. But I, I think as well, they actually have had an official meeting on, I think it was on Tuesday, a high-performance review of Rob Penny um, and whether he is the right man to take the Tars forward. Um, so I think that was in addition to what they've talked about already with that improvement. I think that, that was a good start, but I'm not sure what the exact outcomes will be of this meeting. But to have this um, so early on in the season... And this was reported on Rugby Heaven, on Stan Sport. You know, to have a review of this kind three games in doesn't bode well for Rob Penny. So whether we see movement, 
you know, during the season or they wait till, you know, the end of the season to see actually if there can be a bit more of a turnaround mm-hmm. here. It'll be interesting to see, but I, I get the sense that he's in trouble. Um, he's had some real struggles with the media. They're, they're obviously coming, coming after him as well. And although I think probably the playing group is behind him, I guess the people that are actually running the show at New South Wales Rugby, if they don't see some more improvement in the performances, regardless of this roster that he's you know, basically inherited, they haven't spent much money. But I think that, you know, the blame will rest with him in, in the end. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if another loss um, after the bye week, he could be gone. See, I think that'd be a shame. I'd really like to see him complete the season. I think you're not going to fix anything mid-season mm. with this group. It's going to take time. And so I don't think there's any point trying to break out and get someone new in. Let's look at the other game. And the Brumbies back down in Canberra, very much at home. Um, versus the Rebels and the Rebels though they gave them a good run for their money they obviously got the win over the Brumbies last year there um, the only loss the Brumbies have had in recent memory it seems and they looked like they were going to do it again uh, save for a almost 60 metre penalty from Ryan Lonigan um, they would have had a draw going into our first sort of extra time and golden try uh, match of Super Rugby AU yeah, that was a fantastic kick, and like, just with such a to and fro match, like, just kept me on the edge of my seat all the way through. Um, the Rebels just accumulating as they have been, something the Waratahs probably should have done in their game, just kick a couple more penalties, stay in touch. Um, Tamua just, you know, eight from eight with the boot. He's he's been um, rock solid for them in that respect, but still very concerning that I think they had one real try scoring opportunity they got held up and they didn't really challenge the Brumbies line a whole lot beyond that um, albeit against the best team in the competition but like they, they, they're not going to win these close games without some sort of breakout some sort of you know bigger points like they can't just chip away um, it's it's proven to be not enough for three weeks or two weeks now um, and I'm sure it's still going to be a problem when they when they face up the other teams as well uh, the Brumbies, on the other hand, again, like, suffered their red card early. Um, Alatoa leaving after taking Pone Falmasili straight in the face with his shoulder. Um, unfortunate, you know, there's, they did say there's not much mitigating, which is, I suppose, fair, but, um, you know, he just Pone aimed up a bit too high. dropped a little bit into he that. He a tucked little... a bit, but, but it's it still not huge. within the range of, like, he, like Alatoa didn't have a, a little duck down in his margin of error you know like he wasn't low enough to begin with mm. to save himself if anyone ducked even a little um you know he's probably still going to hit him pretty close up around the the chin or neck almost even before he ducked into it so he <laughs> got that wrong but the the brumbies just just tightened up um and kept it together and and just chipped away and and worked their way back up the field there at the end had faith in lonigan and and yeah gee weren't they excited when he kicked it over Mm. And I think Ryan Lonigan, he's a future star, I think, for this team. I've been really impressed, impressed with his performances off the bench, his passing, the way he's been dictating the game when he's replacing Nick White, mm. that behind-the-back flick pass. I was going to say, yeah, let's backs. not forget that. That, that was very tight. Amazing. amazing. I mean, he's got a lot of potential, and I think you know he's done, he's done his time as a backup in this Brumbies setup, and 
perhaps that'll be for a bit longer given Nick White is, you know, he's, he's going to be around for a little while longer. But I think in terms of looking forward, Ryan Lonigan is really one to watch and showed he's got an all-round game. He's got lots of talent, obviously one of the best goal kickers on that team. And to do something like that, I mean, it's it's almost like a once-in-a-career thing to win win a game in that fashion. And I mm. think it was such a good thing for, for rugby in Canberra as well, keeping that streak going. Obviously, we know the Rebels are desperate for their win and they've probably performed better than we anticipated coming into this year and um, come close against the two best teams in the competition. So I think they'll take something away from that. But, you know... There's still two losses. I think they do need to actually get some points on the board, score some tries, and I think then um, Dave Vessels will be sitting a little bit more comfortably once they get going on the on the try front. And so Alan Alatoa cops three weeks um, ban uh, from that red card. I think the same as what Andrew Reddy's getting for the force, um, which doesn't help them going forward. Looking at the matchup, probably the their biggest competition. Um, against the Reds next week, but luckily they get another home game and they seem to have the have the men on the bench and in the reserves to help hold up this team and keep it keep it strong. Mm-hmm. Definitely the most the best depth I think in the competition. I think they'll be, you know, really tested against the Reds, but that's that's sure to be one of the best games in this coming weekend. Um, but yeah, just so impressed with I think the standard of rugby this year has been pretty good compared to say what we we're looking at last year with Super Rugby AU, absolutely, um, yeah, and some really enthrall- enthralling games as well. So, yeah, and also just to, I think a shout out to Stan Sport as well. The way they've been covering this product so far, I think it's been pretty, pretty seamless beginning to their their coverage of rugby and the way that they've kind of rethought some things. And yeah, I've just enjoyed the way that it's been presented. So, I think all in all, rugby's had a really good start to the year. Absolutely. And I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about the Rebels when we do um, the preview for next week because they would be searching for their first win when they go to Cam- uh, go to Perth to take on the force. But that is 160 minutes now without scoring a try this season. Um, it does make you worry a little bit. I mean, they did show that they have some of the big men up front that can get over the game line. People like Jakobus Elof had an amazing game. Um, and this uh, shows that he's a free-range, open-running type prop there, and that's backed up pretty well with Pono Farmacilli, um, when he's obviously not concussed by an Alatoa sh- shoulder. Mm, yeah, Elf was yeah. doing a great job for a guy with no depth perception, swollen over his eye pretty early on in that game. Um, but he's been explosive, brought heaps of energy, and he's looked one of the best for making a line break. Like, the backs haven't really had much much penetration and yet here he is storming through the line once or twice a game let's let's have a look at the kiwi teams as well um we got our first view of the chiefs um opening up their campaign down in waikato at home versus the highlanders and boys i tipped it right oh my god jonah nareki what an absolute beast what a gun started off early with the charge down, regather, sprint the entire field to open up um, the Highlanders sort of scoring for the afternoon and then he just didn't stop a hat trick and the the Chiefs even though they looked dangerous early they just they didn't have an answer for him did they? No he was absolutely dominant and like I mean he was given given a couple of helping hands it was pretty 
disappointed when Bryn Gatland, who kicked through Chase's kick, and then Narecki's kind of scooped it up. Gatland didn't even like make a dive for him. Uh, he just kind of pulled up, turned around, and started jogging back after him. Meanwhile, Narecki's just destroying the Chiefs, just bumping guys off left, right, and center, and eventually um, putting Shannon Frizzell's try. Yeah, he went through like eventually putting Sam Shannon Frizzell over Damon McKenzie. Like he went through some top class defenders. Yeah. All yeah, blacks, he did, and he just made and just easy. just blew him away. Yeah. So like, and actually, really between between him and Nanai Saturo from the Chiefs, like the Elevens were just having a field day in this game. Absolutely, um, two guys who really really burst on in in this one, and uh, you know that's that's the kind of inspiration and breakout that the Highlanders thrive off the back of. So no surprise there that with him having such a good game, just set up their their team for for points points points. What do you guys think of the fact um, Aaron Smith benched for this game? Apparently, going to get a bit more time off the bench, and they we got a bit more of a look at um, Fakatava, who's the big sort of name up and comer down there in Otago as a as a breakaway number nine. Hopefully, well, I think he looked pretty good. Um, I I mean, it's still big call to bench Aaron Smith for anyone, really. Um, but I guess what they've done is proven that they can stay in the game and even stay ahead of what looked like a pretty reasonable Chiefs attack early on. Um, then you get to bring Aaron Smith on for a solid half hour at the end of the game. Like that's, you know, pretty, pretty good situation. And obviously if you were really concerned, you could bring Aaron Smith on and he could play 80 happily or, you know, 75 if it's a real disaster early on. So Big call, but uh, you know it worked for them in this one, and they're getting extra development into their next man up. Even though they have signed Aaron Smith through to twenty twenty three, and I think that probably comes down to the All Blacks actually having um, certain mandates on managing minutes for some of their key players, um, so that feeds into it as well. Um, but it is strange to see, you know, one of the top All Blacks actually being benched. But maybe the Highlanders were targeting this game as one of the easier fixtures. Um, I certainly thought the Chiefs would come out firing and really with a point to prove after being so disappointing last year, but it looks as though they might be in a similar position. Maybe they haven't improved too much. And Highlanders, um, you know, after a tough hit out against the Crusaders, came out firing. And I think, you know, they could be a team to watch this year in terms of improvement. And Tony Brown seems to have got them up and together as a group and, we know culture plays a big part in, in you know, the success of rugby teams, particularly in New Zealand, and I think the Highlanders could surprise some people with some, some results like this during the Aotearoa season. Mm. I, I don't think the Chiefs uh, should be too disappointed with their performance. I think, like, first game of the season, yeah, sometimes things don't quite come off as well, but they definitely showed glimpses of that sort of raw attacking power that they've shown in previous years yeah I, I thought for the first 25 or so like they looked really good they looked like the dominant team i was happy with my tip of of the chiefs by a handful and you know thinking this is going to be a, a a big problem for the highlanders trying to run them down even when they do bring aaron smith on but seeing some of the guys running around and and not putting in 100 percent effort like i already mentioned bring gatland like that that was a bad sign for me. You see someone who, you know, isn't putting in 100% effort to try and uh, shut down an attack in the opposition's half of the field, and what happens? They 
turn it around, go 60 metres. And, like, it's it's all those little incremental efforts from each player, I think, that add up to, you know, being more than the sum of your parts as a team. And I don't think the Chiefs can afford to lack that at the moment. They all need to give absolutely everything um, to get some momentum, to get some, you know, some faith and some belief back in each other and, and the group as a, as a whole. And it doesn't get easier for the Chiefs, though, unfortunately, heading down to Christchurch and facing the Crusaders at home next week as well. Oh, (laughs) no. Oh, no. I get to stand there and look at the light pole with all the years of championships coming up on it. exactly. Um, Speaking of the Crusaders, they enjoyed their first home game of the season, um, taking down the Hurricanes who again sort of started off and looking like maybe they were going to keep up a couple of early penalties, but then an early yellow card to Adi Sevilla really just opened the floodgates, and in the 10 minutes following that, the Crusaders suddenly had scored three tries and were 21 points up, and it didn't really stop there. Um, Cody Taylor having a standout game here as well. Definitely... He looks fit. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely pipping uh, Asafa Amua. Um, on the park, and unfortunately, it looks like Amua's copped a shoulder injury in this one as well, so he might be um, out of it for at least a week or two. Sounds like an AC joint injury. Yeah, that's no good. He he was looking really solid for them, and in a team that is somewhat in a rebuild phase, trying to find a few good link players there in, in the forwards and the backs. Um, they they really can't afford to lose some of those types of big momentum, big play guys from their side. Um, Crusaders just, you know, same as always, rock solid, um, big players standing up, support players doing their bit. Um, and, the, and nicely, um, Mr. O'Keefe didn't get in the way of this game either. I actually think he had a pretty good game for once. The the balance mm. of the calls was not too invasive, whereas some of the other games this weekend, I felt like there was a lot of whistle and a lot of pull-up, not a lot of playing advantage. Um, you know, calling a lot of chippy little things that, you know, probably get somewhat overlooked in other games. I think O'Keefe had the right balance in this one. It made for a really entertaining game. What else I've, I found entertaining was Garden Bash up in space trying to actually run one in for a try. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just, oh, yeah. <laughs> it just epitomised my opinion of him. Just, you know, he, he's just fat, mate. Like, he just couldn't get it made there. It. Yeah, exactly. The, the, full, yeah, sad the thing other was that, good. Yeah, the sad thing was he would have made it if he just put his head down and kept going. But he knew <laughs> he was too slow. And so he was constantly <laughs> looking back and he was just like, yeah, who's going to get me? Who's going to get me? And then, yeah, tackled that's out. Great. Oh, yeah. And yeah. also, and we, um, are just lacking some quality in those key positions. Um, and so we're going to see inconsistency, I think, from them, which is always... It's always been a factor in in their in the way they play, but you know you catch them on their day, they blow you away, and other times they just really underwhelm. And I just I feel like there's probably going to be more underwhelming performances this year than some of those really um, high quality um, blowouts that they tend it's, to. It's their type five that's really coming under fire. It seems at the moment is just not not being able to measure up to the other sides in this competition. Yeah, good call. And- and anyone they develop, it just seems like the other four sides in New Zealand take that much longer, if ever, to yield like a real star when they're developing their guys, whereas the Crusaders just churn these guys out. Like we were talking on the weekend about Ethan Blackadder, who probably has got a mention here and there before, but 
again, stood out on the weekend, was suddenly a force for the Crusaders. Yeah, and this man. isn't a guy who's getting talked about for the All Blacks in previous seasons, you know, ahead of others. But he's now, you know, early in this season, certainly looking like a standout in the standout team. And it's just, you know, it's just the Crusader system just keeps producing these guys and, and that's why they're so dominant. Yeah, I was watching that. I was like, that's the name we should have picked at the start of the season when we're talking about breakout, sort of the next person in the Crusaders because he's on a back row with Cullen Grace, who everyone was crazy about last year. Did not even compare. Like, Ethan Blackadder looked like he was absolutely on fire and, like, couldn't really put a foot wrong. He's a guy that's had a lot of trouble with injury in the past, so hopefully he doesn't get derailed um, this year by something similar at all. But... Yeah, absolutely stand out for him as well and um, got himself a meat pie for his trouble. Let's get into round three for Super Rugby Aotearoa. And as we mentioned, we got the Crusaders hosting the Chiefs um, down in Christchurch. And then the Blues, after their bye, um, we get our first game up in Eden Park. They're hosting the Highlanders, who are continuing on their Northern Ireland tour um, up here. So a couple of really exciting games, I think. I think that, well, first off, is anyone going to tip against the Crusaders at home? Let's just get that no. out of the way. No. Okay, so that's nice and no. easy. I do think the Chiefs are going to put on a bit of a show here. I think that I think they have the power to keep up with a Crusaders team that can score sort of at will. But I think I think it's going to be a really high scoring game. They tend to be these this is a always quite an exciting game. Um We've seen some of these fixtures being played in Fiji and across the place and always seems to create a bit of interest around around these two teams. And, yeah, the Chiefs need to react here and the Crusaders just haven't had that sluggish start that we tend to see from them. So I'm, I'm feeling another big year for them. And, yeah, they're looking like they are able to score as many points as ever. Um, so it should be a great one. Yeah, the Chiefs need to just abandon any conservative play. They need to go real hard, take their chances and, and try and put some points on early because you've got you've to put some up early and try and you know just shake the, the Crusaders' momentum because you know they're going to steal it back at some point. You've just got to keep them, mm. <laughs> keep it out, out of their hands for long enough that you can accrue and keep it close. But uh, to be honest, I, I, I don't know that this will be a high-scoring one. I feel like the Crusaders will just shut these guys down. I'd, I'd be... I'd be expecting a you know a big margin and the Chiefs not to score that many points and probably not to go for that many penalties because they'll be chasing the scoreboard all game. Hmm. Fair enough. So what what would you pick the Crusaders by then, Leo? Oh, I mean, I, I'll go out on a limb and yeah, I'll I'll make it twenty one, just for you. <laughs> My age, oh, yeah. um, fair right, enough. <laughs> rude, rude. Um, all right, well, in that case, do you reckon Blues-Highlanders is going to be a closer one? I mean, the Blues had the wood on these guys both of their meetings last year, um, but only won by three points last game at Eden Park in round three of, of last year's competition. This is the game I'm more interested in because if the Highlanders are building um, and they've got some, some real game-breaking players in form coming off the last week and, and hopefully just building in this season like the blues the blues have had the week off who knows if they have a, a slow start in this game like the, i don't think bye week guarantees anything for anyone it certainly doesn't guarantee if, um a fresh go 
I think the the Highlanders can can break out against any team, and the Blues are now a competent attacking outfit with the really solid defence and good set piece. This is the one that's going to be blow for blow, I think. And if the if the Blues can't contain that kind of uh, counter attacking uh, skill set of the Highlanders, then I would I would say this is the close one. I'd, I'd easily say this is a within seven points type match. I'd, I'd still be tipping the home team, but I think it's within seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think this one's going to be you know tightly contested. The Blues, if they're the real deal again this year, they need to win games like this at home against a pretty, I would say, a pretty confident Highlanders team at the moment. I think there's new energy there. I think gone are the days of winning games without the ball in hand. They look like a team that's going to play what's in front of them and be creative and and kind of chance their arm a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a great game. Blues should get the win. I'm almost tempted to pick the Highlanders, but I think I'd probably go with a pick like Blues by three or something mm. like that. I think that's fair enough. I Again, we'll come back to sort of the tight five and the forwards the Blues have, I think, probably puts them over the edge here. And they should have enough sort of men on the outside to cover the electric sort of likes of Jonah Nareki. Um Did you like the Joshuani Mitch Hunt 10 and 15 combo? We saw Alamalu get dropped to the bench for that. Do you prefer that or do you prefer to see one of the bit more sort of typical fullback, bigger um, running sort of fullback in Alamalu there? I'm a big fan of Alamalu, just based on what he, he achieved at the Chiefs. I think he's a guy with plenty of potential but he's definitely not as poised as someone like Mitch Hunt back there, with um, who probably has a better, bit of a better kicking game as well. Mm. So again, I think it depends which game plan you're going to look towards. Um, see, Joshuani is more of that creative force as well, so maybe they want someone like Mitch Hunt who's going to be there at the back, solid when you need him, can inject himself at 10 if needed as well, whereas Alamalu is more of a winger slash fullback Um potent attacker but probably lacks the poise so i don't know i don't know i think it's it's difficult i mean against the blues maybe you want some more stability there i prefer yuani as a player maybe in either position compared to hunt but i guess bringing him into 10 gets him a bit closer and and gives him more opportunities with the ball which i think is a positive because i think Mm. he's going to create more than hunt hunt is more of a a game manager yuani might give you a bit of a spark here and there as well uh, and I think he's really grown into being a senior player and, and not being as um, inconsistent as he was when he first came into Super Rugby. So I, I'm sure they'll use it as a sort of a pivot either side of the ruck at different times, but more opportunities for Yuan is a good thing in my mind. And Alamalo, yeah, I like I, I like it when he's when he's in form, but he's, he's also been um, a bit sketchy when he's out of form and a uh, new team, you know, they don't need to rush him into this sort of uh, high-pressure situations too early. If he can um, show himself to be a, a solid sort of player off the bench and, and mm. make his way into a wing spot and then he can cover fullback and you can just gradually grow him into that role if, if that's where they're, you know, if they've brought him in for that purpose. Um, so sort of happy they haven't dropped him back in there because I feel like that would be maybe a bit too deep end for a team that's, again, trying to build and trying to develop you don't want to put too many risks out on the park in the 15. Yeah, fair enough. Um, 
this game on Sunday afternoon, I love a Sunday afternoon rugby. I love that um, Super Rugby Aotearoa now means that we have three days of, of the weekend all having rugby on them. It's great. Um, have they got crowds there in Auckland? Yep. Is that back yep. on the cards? We will have crowds there. It might be a slightly limited capacity, but um, I have not seen any huge restrictions, so I think you'll get a good crowd out there for the first game. Um, in you Auckland will be there. working? I'll be working, unfortunately, so I won't be there. And unfortunately, this podcast is yet to pay me enough of a salary where I can um, work by <laughs> watching games. So we need to get on to that, boys. Um, we did, The other thing we did see was our first successful um, Captain's Challenge on the weekend. Uh, the Highlanders managed to do it with um, showing that there was a... Was it an elbow to the throat for Joshuani? Mm. Um and so that's the first time we've seen a successful one. We saw some unsuccessful ones um, in, with the likes of the Crusaders trying to score Artie Sevilla a second yellow and uh, ultimately a, a red, which he managed to scrape out of. But what do you reckon, boys? Do we see another successful captain's um, referral this week? Do you reckon we're getting better at it, that they'll actually manage to do it? I don't know, I feel like I feel like they're making more calls on the field and letting the TMO chime in if needed, um, which which keeps keep, keeps the game moving. But I think that also probably takes away as many of the real howlers that might be pulled up for a captain's challenge. Like they seem a little bit more speculative so far. They're trying to you know call for contact in the ruck, which is always so grey. Like yeah, um, to, to to really turn something around, it has to be blatant, and you've got. The, the video ref constantly scanning for that stuff and sideline refs that the players are always barking at. Like, it feels like those opportunities are going to be few and far between to sort of turn around to howl. They, they just don't seem to be missing those. Um, it might be it might be successful, you know, week to week, but at the moment it feels like they're kind of being a bit speculative with them, which I, I think obviously wasn't the intent, and that's why they limited it to being foul play or a, a, a build to a try in the first 75 minutes. I don't want a whole lot of the speculative stuff. So they'll probably run out of opportunities. I, I don't know that it'll be necessary. All right, well, let's look at Super Rugby AU, and this is probably the biggest storylines. We're headed back to Perth on Friday night, the Western Force hosting the Rebels, and an opportunity here for the Rebels to get their first win. And luckily, we actually have the teams to look at. So unfortunately, two of the guys that we've, um, that I thought had really outstanding games for the Force last week. And Tim Anstey, Leo's already mentioned him, absolutely great work. Um, sevens player playing at blindside there, setting up Fergus Lee Warner for his try and then getting his own try in the second half as well. And Tony Pulu, who um, has had come over from the Brumbies and I thought had quite a impressive game out there on the wing as well. The name we do see for the Force, though, is Sidileki Tamani, who some... Previous Waratahs fans may remember from a fair few years ago now. Um, second rower, the brother brother of Lepetti, cousin of Lepetti, older brother, I older think. brother older of Lepetti Tamani, um, who was at the Rebels a couple of years ago as well, but has come back home. Um, he's been off in France and he's come back and he's immediately been named on the bench for the Force. Hmm. Bit of an elder statesman, 35, I think he is at the moment. So he's he spent quite a, f- a good amount of time in France over there. So very experienced campaigner, and I think, you know, will kind of help the the lock depth there in, at the force. Obviously, Lee Warner 
he's able to play in the second row, but he's probably much more of a number six. Mm. Um, so I think between Jeremy Thrush, Tamani, you've got McCauley starting this week, who was at the at the Waratahs and he yeah. went over to the fourth. So he's a bit younger, a bit more inexperienced. So I think between Thrush and um, Tamani, that's some really good experience to be injecting into that team. Um, and look, the fourth... I really hope they get the win at home this week. I really hope they can continue on some of the good form they've been showing. Obviously, a huge moment last weekend. Um, it's just whether that kind of elation that they felt, um, whether there's any sort of um, difficulty backing that up um, after probably some, I would suggest, some pretty um, large celebrations after that one. Um, and obviously, a couple of injuries here to deal with. The, the Rebels, you know, they're... They're a, they're a decent team and someone a team probably that I've underrated coming into the season, and I I can just feel that they're so close to a win. Obviously, they've only just lost by slim margins to the two best teams in the competition. Um, I think it's going to be quite an even matchup, but I'm probably going to have to tip the Rebels here. I think they might get the upset. Yeah, I'd see this as an opportunity for the Force to really sort of back it up and and prove that they're not just sort of that the one-hit wonder. I guess that they'll get one win this season, they'll upset someone, and after that they'll just be out of out of energy and out of puff. I think if, if they've kept their minds on the task at hand, they can see this as potentially the two easier game sort of streak. You've, you've done the hard work, one away from home against a team that definitely were, were pushing to, to get their first win. Now you can keep another team from their first win and cement third on the table. Like, that's... That's massive um, if they can achieve it. And like you said, I think getting Fergus Lee Warner out on the side of the scrum, I think that's where he's preferred. I think that's going to be a positive. Um, unfortunately, you know, at the at the loss of Tim Ancy, that's, that's disappointing. But they've got the backups now. And, um, you know, they just look like they've got attacking potential across the field. Um, they're linking well together, even though they're a combination of all these international guys and, and the and the stalwarts and some of the discards from other clubs, like they're finding a way to, to play well together and they look like a good unified side. The rebels just don't have the penetration and they'll need to find that in this game to, to stay in touch. I feel like the, the force can, can put more points on than the rebels if they're just going to kick penalties. Thing is they do have the defense. I think the rebels to actually stifle the force here. And um, just looking ahead, I guess for the force, if they do, drop this game to the Rebels, then they're looking at, you know, they're going on tour again. So they're going to Suncorp to play the Reds, followed by the Brumbies in Canberra, um, and then a bye week. So this is a huge game for them. If they can get the win, I think that really sets them up nicely for the season in terms of, you know, not finishing bottom of the table, actually pushing towards that third spot that probably, you know, those bottom three teams, Rebels, Tars and Force will be pushing for. Um, so I think it's a huge game. Um, and being at home, that will lift them. But I think the Rebels just maybe have a little little too much poise maybe and, and their defence has just been so impressive that they may mm. just grind this out and frustrate the force into making those errors. And, and yeah, I just for some reason, I just feel like Matt Tamil will be so determined to lead this team around. And, um, you know, I think they'd probably deserve a win here. Um but yeah, I think it'll be a fascinating game. If the if the Rebels can play their really solid hard-nosed defense that they've brought the, in these early rounds, 
Um, I guess, I mean, that seems to be their strategy. Defend mm. really hard, try not to concede the points, and then just chip away with the penalties. The force, discipline-wise, I don't think they've been too bad. So, you know, if they focus Half on... Half ready. <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't last very long, did he? So, yeah, right. they, they so, only gave up nine total penalties to the Waratahs on the weekend. Like, that's a yeah. very low number. That's right. So if they keep that up, then that's fewer opportunities for the Rebels. And I still think the Force have have the ammo to, to break out and score a try or two. We've Archie's already said it, 160 minutes, no tries for the Rebels. We need we need the, the centres between Hodge and Illy to, to create some sort of opportunities there, find some holes, there's short flat passes to one another or, or getting out the back to Pincus and Anderson and... Corabini, like Rocky Anderson, he's one to watch. For yeah, sure. no, he's looked really good, and he just hasn't quite yeah. broken out, has he? But no, he will. They, need, be they need something. Soon. They need someone in that group to have a ripper of a game and and start breaking the line, offloading, getting some clear space. Um, because I just I just don't know that mm. they'll get the get the ill discipline out of the force that they want to score their kicks. So they need to start scoring tries. Yeah, the good thing is. This is three weeks in a row with the Rebels having named the same backline, which I think is the first time that's ever happened. Wessels was constantly tinkering and moving people around, so hopefully that means they're going to get a bit more cohesion. Marika Korobidi, at the moment, is not getting the ball enough, in my opinion, um, in that backline. They're not getting it to him. He's having to go in and search for it, which he's really good at doing, um, but he's he's one of your most damaging players, so I think they need to try and get him a bit more involved earlier on in the games because he's someone that could break it open for you. That's that's exactly right. They, they need to find something like a power flick pass to Corby, like the uh, Lonergan-Banks combination, like more yeah. more opportunities like that where you, you surprise and catch the defence out when they're a bit tired and you've got the right matchups around the ruck and Corby just comes steaming through from sort of wrapping around the wrong side, like... I can't believe they don't script more of those sorts of plays for him because he's got the pace, the bulk, the the body height, and the and the posture to bump loose arms. And you've just got to time it. You've just got to pick your opportunity. You don't have to be on the try line. You just have to have this, the right tide forward um, with eyes looking out the back line, mm. and he's gone. And then you, you've you've got the the legs around to to follow through and have some support. So, you know that's that's what the force. Uh, sorry, the rebels need to find. I, I think the force can beat them if they if they don't get there this week. Very excited for that. I think oh, it's a really hard one to tip, um, but I think a home team, Sea of Blue, back there in Perth, makes me really want to go for the force. Speaking of some league win- wingers, and we're actually going to get to see a full game from Funivalu, who's been named on the wing for the Reds, um, who travelled down to Canberra to try and upset those Brumbies um, try and get one away from home. They've just been... It feels like they've been at home forever now, doesn't it? Um, the Brumbies are just nice and comfortable down there. It's a tough, tough ask for the Reds to travel down to Canberra to do it. Luckily, it's not too late in the year, so it's it's not too cold down there. But it's still, it's just a tough place to win. And unfortunately, I've got pre-existing plans uh, on Saturday night because this is the sort of game I'd, I'd get up and drive down to Canberra for. Um, you don't get many better than this in that sort of atmosphere. Two teams playing in form. Really hard to pick. And I think most of these contests last year, I think I was I was pushing the Reds. And, and did they win one in Canberra leading into the finals? The, there was one that didn't... No, they got close, though. Was it a... I think there might have been one kick-off. I think they 
feel like they missed a penalty or something, but like this is going to be the the contest that is probably a precursor to the finals, a preview, if you will. Mm. Um, and with the back line of the Reds now reset to being, you know, there's a lot more Wallabies look to it between 9, 10, 12, 13. Um, you know, if that if that group play um, as, as well as they did in their, their peak form for the Wallabies, like that's really going to challenge even the Brumbies lineup, which we know is, is a great set of steady heads and combinations that have developed really well. So, um, yeah, it's it's just good to see these teams with pretty much everyone available and, and they're going to go head-to-head. It's going to be a really hard one to pick. In 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 reality, I think the Brumbies probably grind it out, but, I'll, but I think it's going to be close. I'm going to say Brumbies within three. Yeah, difficult. I think with that, the amount of firepower the Reds have, you could see them, you know, really unleashing on this Brumbies team and... Brumbies didn't have the best game last week. Um, I think they'll be pretty determined to rectify some of the issues they were having and, um, you know, get some more continuity and, you know, be scoring points more freely. But Simone Yikita, I think that's such a vital combination for them alongside Lolicio. Um, You know, I think the Paisami and um, Patea combination is probably yet to be fully tested and fully utilised at the same time. Um, plenty of potential there. But, again, I think the cohesion of the Brumbies may win out in this one um, by the, the finest of margins. Um, I think the Reds' forward pack, perhaps on paper, looks the better forward pack. Um, and the Brumbies' backline, I think, with the cohesion they now have, I think they have the potential to open the Reds up as well. But... So many players to watch across this game. Mm. Vunavala will be front of my mind. Um, but, you know, you're looking for big games for Valentini in the back row from the Brumbies against, you know, people like Fraser McRide in that Reds back row. Um, yeah, the, the Battle of the Tens, obviously, if you're looking at Wallabies from a Wallabies perspective, Lolaseo and, and Jock. Um, so, yeah, just amazing matchups across the park. I think home ground advantage will help the Brumbies a lot. Expecting a huge crowd down there, um, and building upon their successes this year, and I think I'm just going to have to take the Brumbies by, you know, maybe a couple of points. Really, it's I think it's going to be really close. Um, I think this Reds team is continuing to improve. I think they'll really push them. What the Reds need to be doing this week is watching a bit of that Rebels Brumbies game because they really laid a template of how to upset sort of the flow and cohesion of the Brumbies. Um, They put a lot of pressure on Nick White and he was getting angry about it. He wasn't getting clean ball at the ruck and he was making errors as well. So I think if you can manage to do that, and I think the Reds have the personnel to do that, they could upset the Brumbies flow again. Um, I agree with you, Toby, if you're talking about like the centres, I feel like the Simone Ikitao is just a more polished sort of combination. So they may put a lot of pressure um, and we know Hunter's going to bring some A-grade defense, but whether him and Patea, they haven't actually played together that often and not in that 12-13 combination very often. I'm more, more worried about Patea. I think he's, yeah. He's I still question, in defense, maybe? Yeah, I still question his decision-making there at 13. And even with ball in hand, he tends to drop a lot of ball, throws pretty erratic passes. I think he has a lot to improve on. Um 
compared to someone like Iki Tao, who it's almost be it's hard to fault anything he's done in these first few games. I think he's been excellent. Um, mm. And just really, really calm in, in what he's doing and combination, yeah, he's formed that so well with Simone. So I think the pressure will be on Patera a little bit to to match that. So you take the yeah, Brumbies definitely. backs over the Reds overall? I think for pure firepower, the Reds have it over the Brumbies, but I think the cohesion and the way they, they link up together from a Brumbies perspective, I think they're just they're just more in unison. The Reds are kind of still, I think, that back line is, is great, but I don't think it's necessarily fully formed in terms of cohesion. They're still um, a bit erratic. Like, they, erratic. They, they can have their good days, but they can have their bad days, and the Brumbies just haven't looked like having a bad 80 minutes. And and the, yeah. the Reds, I think, are still unfortunately capable of that. And that's youth and, you know, time, um, I suppose, in, in those combinations, which will come, but... Uh, yeah, I agree completely. Like, I think Ikatao is looking like that explosive outside, making good defensive decisions and having his way with the opposition in attack. And you know Patea can do that, but you're probably looking at this season in, in isolation. You think maybe Patea's not going to deliver that as consistently as Ikatao, which means that Patea's going to get tested frequently in this game. Um, so that might be a, a spot they target because unlike, unlike the Brummies, like the Reds have that solid jock in, in 10 like that's not a, a weakness to run through him I think the Reds will probably bring the game plan of you know the Harry Wilson and uh, maybe um, Paisami like hassling Noah mm. hassling Nick White like trying to trying to unsettle them on the inside to try and you know yeah. disable the outside backs because <laughs> once agree. the ball gets out to um, Simone like you, you can they've just got options and they're using them all really well their structure's really good that you know there's four or five options available once they spread it out to 12 so mm. it's a lot to defend if you're if you're not working well as a unit i think they're going to try and shut it down early i think what's great is the players that we're focused on a lot of these guys are really young um really up and coming they're going to feature in the wallabies for years to come right through to that 2027 world cup i think that's hopefully going to be in australia um, young back row is in there as well and yeah just a lot of excitement around two teams that aren't it's not like they're veteran teams that we're like okay they've been like this for 10 years battling it out like this is a pretty fresh new rivalry that's being formed off the back of the final last year um, well that's it and, and it's yeah, like, just a lot to look at and it's like you're talking about like battle for like Wallabies number 10 or something like it's funny thinking about Patea and Ekitao two players that neither of us were probably thinking were going to get the straight-up start at 13 last year, but they may be the two sort of biggest contenders for that 13 jersey in the Wallabies. And it's Definitely. I still find it amazing that suddenly Ikitao seems to have come out of nowhere. Like, I remember him covering one game, like, two years ago, coming off the bench or covering for TK during an injury, and I was like, oh, he's not bad hadn't seen him since and then suddenly he's in the Wallaby suddenly he's at the Brumbies um starting this year and he looks test quality and he looks like one almost one of the first people you'd be thinking about putting in your back line if he keeps up what he's doing now well I think there's all the credit to Dave Rennie and others around there to actually have it identified him so early on and we've seen this with a number of players that have come into Wallaby's setup either from shoot shield or something or school Schoolboys, guys like even um, 
um, what's his name, Liam Wright, for example, that were brought into the Brum- uh, the Wallabies setup early on, didn't really play a game, but just being around that setup actually really helps their development overall. I think Ikital being around Simone, being around Patea, Hunter Paisami, all of last year in the Wallabies, that would have really helped his development. And so he's been able to hit the ground running this year in Super Rugby. And being around TK previously, and I'm yeah, not familiar, yeah. but the but the Brumbies backs uh, coaching group, like that's well, that's the previously that's the Peter Hewitt, who's now moved on. But I think it's, I mean, the coaching like, side of the Brumbies, you can't you can't give them yeah. enough credit. They've they've obviously nurtured him as well, but just yeah, at his age, I think in that position, hardest position in the back line to defend in, um, huge shoes to fill in, coming in straight after TK's left. Um, starting week to week, and he's just he's pulling it off week to week amazingly well, um, and yeah, just looking looking amazing in both attack and defence. Yeah, and I'm like Archie, I, I don't remember seeing a lot of him in games, so he's been doing a lot of this development on the sideline, occasionally mm. off the bench, like to to look this in form and ready for this level of the game without a whole lot of prior, um, like a whole lot of minutes, like that's. Yeah, that's why I think the the coaching and and the network there at the Brumbies they must have been doing some really good work off field uh, and then on field at the training to to um, prepare him mm. and he just looks ready and the combinations there and Brumbies roll on strong. Absolutely, it's a common storyline. It seems to be down there in Canberra. Looking around the world, and there's been some other news. We've got another round of Six Nations coming up. Um, Italy are hosting Wales down in Rome. England get to host France, obviously after missing out on their game versus Scotland a couple of weeks ago. They're looking like they should be back to full strength as a French team, which would be a, a really interesting competition there. Obviously, France and Wales both still undefeated in this tournament so far, and they don't meet till the week after this. Um, and then Scotland hosting Ireland up at Murrayfield as well. Um that'll be on Sunday as well. So yeah, some, some great fixtures up there, boys. What, what are you thinking there? Do you, there's been a lot of talk about Wales going for the grand slam here. Um, and we sort of, no one really thought that coming into this game, but obviously now they've put wins together over Ireland, um, Scotland and England. You'd, you'd assume it's a pretty much guaranteed. They're going to take a win here versus Italy. It's whether it all comes down to this French game in two weeks. Yeah, that's right. And who knows how much the French will be disrupted from their period of um, isolation and and quarantine recovery. Um, Guys might be past the coronavirus infection, but are they, you know, they've lost a bit of fitness there. Are they going to start cramping in in the early stages of the second half or... Uh, going to need to roll the subs early, lose some of their better players. Like they're also going to go through England on the way to the game that's going to matter most. So I, I'd say that the the money should definitely be with Wales at the moment. Like the, they're unbackable. Everyone's an unbackable favourite against Italy. Um, so really, for for them, they they just need to make sure they uh, reinforce all their fundamentals in this game. Have a good win come away without any significant injuries or depletions and then prepare for France. And are they hosting France or are they traveling to Paris? Um, Paris. So that's so, in Paris. Yeah, so Paris. That might be the only thing in the French's favor, really preparation wise. Like 
it's it's against the French and um, look, I'd be backing Wales in that situation, but obviously we we talk re- regularly about the French not giving a damn about you know circumstance and context. They're mm. they're in every game, um, and they're still a very talented team. So I think yeah, see how they come through the England game, but the Welsh should be feeling very much in the box seat. Mm. And do we know when the France Scotland game will be rescheduled to? Because I can't. As, not as yet. It sounds like it will be after. That the final round um it's a shame because that really kind of detracts from that final mm. game between france and wales because i mean obviously if if france, if france win, win that, it's it's then becomes a really exciting finish but if they does, lose it's kind of like what are we playing for? yeah so it just would have been nice to fit in that that missing fixture beforehand so we could have the grand grand finish to it all but mm. you know there's obviously no guarantee scotland could beat france also um and we just don't really know too much how COVID has really impacted this team. Mm. Um, England will be desperate for a win after losing to Wales. And I could actually see them getting that this weekend in Twickenham, um, which may, yeah, it'll derail the whole thing. Um, so but yeah, go ahead. So you're not predicting that we're seeing the start of the downfall of sort of this English reign of power or this sort of... Mm-hmm. Dominance that they've had been for the last sort of eight years, yeah, yeah. I think there's been signs of that for a little while now. Since the World Cup, um, I think they haven't been probably at the peak of their powers since that time in 2019 or so. Um, so I think you know Eddie Jones. Who knows how long he's going to have in that coaching role? I think against the fr- French team that, yeah, sure they were they were performing well and they they were playing some great rugby but you know COVID I think will impact that quite dramatically and England will be determined to turn around their fortunes playing at home I know there's no crowds yet still but I think England that's the team I'd be picking in this one I think you know obviously Wales over Italy I think England over France and Scotland Ireland's a bit of a toss-up I'd still probably take Ireland but playing up at Murrayfield is always difficult for any team I'll take Scotland (laughs) And if we go over to the States, we've had, there seems to be a Wallabies reunion going on in LA, it sounds like, with the LA Giltinis, um Major League Rugby team, having previously announced the signing of Adam Ashley Cooper going to join Billy Meeks over there with Stephen Hoyles, and now Matt Gitto, he's heading over to LA to join the crew up. So, what do you reckon? Drew Mitchell's headed over next week? Is that is that what we're thinking? <laughs> I'm sure that's what he'd like. Yeah. I mean, he was due to play for Rugby United New York, I think, um, and COVID got in the way of that actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's whether he's even thinking about continuing on his rugby this is career Drew when he's, about. yeah, Drew, yeah, yeah. when he's actually got these media commitments now, um, and it's probably quite comfortable being in retirement and actually having a a nine to five job where you get to be on TV and talk about rugby. Still, it's a, it's a nice place to be. So I think. For him to give that up would be pretty massive, but you know he's got a wine company with these two other boys. You could see him um, being pretty desperate to get over to Hollywood and play with them as well. Yeah, it just feels like a a big reunion club for all the all the geriatric wallabies. They'll probably um, be good. That's the thing. These guys yeah, are oh, still super competitive. The and... level of the competition over there, like they don't need to be, um, you know, peak fitness. They just need to have. Um, the same vision that they had and the same the skills that 
Adam Ashley Cooper's got, still got a nip of speed, but like it'll be the way they work with the guys around them. Um, you know, Giddo's a playmaker. Ashley Cooper's a, a sort of backfield general and organizer. Like I think Billy Meeks will be doing more of the running than those two. <laughs> you got Angus Cottrell as well in the mix um, in that back row. So there's plenty of quality, I think, across the team. And mm. looking at other guys on the roster, who else have we got? Well, there's a few Australians. Charlie Abel's there. Harrison Goddard. Um, so, yeah, it really Dave Dennis, obviously, as well. So there's there's a huge amount of Australian input into this team. Christian Poitavin, son of, I think, Simon Poitavin, who I'm not sure how old he is, but obviously hasn't quite cut it at, you know, for super rugby level and has gone over there. But I think it's exciting to see MLR develop further into a competition that people are going to want to watch. And I think similar to the top league this year, we've seen the injection of top-level players, regardless of age, um, you know, you see them pop up in these teams and if it's well-televised and it's got, you know, decent commentary to it, I think you can see it's a product that people want to watch mm. if it's readily available. Um, and I, th- I expect the MLR to kind of develop into that over the next 10 years. Absolutely. Which brings us, before we close, I think we should um, talk about any any favourite moments from Top League now that we're actually getting to see a little bit more of it on the weekend, boys. Oh, the... Um... I only went and watched the highlights of Suntory, but just the combinations of Barrett and Karevi and Tavita Lee, and it's just like dominant. And it's interesting, like the, there was a few times there where they sort of went went round them and and came in the corner, but happily trotted round the back of the post to make the kick a lot easier. There wasn't a whole lot of commitment from the, the defence to come and nail people. Yeah, oh, the ingoals like astroturf. And it's concrete. really small as well. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to get hurt there. And and that's maybe why there wasn't a whole lot of enthusiasm from the defence to try and um, bowl over the, the guy about to score the try. They, once the guy was in the in goal, everyone kind of pulled up and went, oh, that's a try. <laughs> not, not really putting him under any pressure, which, you know, that's going to help keep Bowden's uh, kicking stats pretty healthy. Um, but, yeah, again, like, if you haven't seen it, if you've subscribed to one of the streaming services in order to watch the Super Rugby AU or Aturoa, like, Flick on some highlights one of these teams where you know a couple of players have gone over because the standard is still pretty good. And mm. I guess you you may be seeing some of these guys who you've enjoyed seeing in the past playing with a little bit more freedom, a little bit more space. Um, they just look they just look in fine form. They look happy. They look skillful. Mm. Um, and you know maybe maybe it's got the feel of a of a competition without a lot of really tough defense or a lot of tough competition, but between Suntory and I think Kobe and there's a couple other Toyota teams. Verblitz, just, I think yeah, it's Panasonic Wild Knights. There's a few teams, teams in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, keep an eye out for when those guys face up on each other because I reckon there'll be fireworks and be mm. really good games. You know, and you get the opportunity to see Kieran Reed play alongside Michael Hooper, things like that, the two ex-captains. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to see. And obviously in a time zone that suits us being in Australia and New Zealand, um, so I think, um, yeah, really good that Stan Sport actually picked that up, even though it's only maybe one or two games a week that they're showing at the moment. Um, I think Suntory is pretty much on every week at the moment, um, which is, great, yeah, great I'd choice. say they're the favourite. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a good just choice and they're the favourite. Just yeah. giving me Karevi withdrawals. Makes me sad. <laughs> He's so Karevi good. and Bowden. It's an amazing combination. Karevi to come back. 
TJ got his first appearance for the Red Hurricanes on the weekend. I put up his um, final try to win the game for him. Um, got mm. a couple of touches on there. So, really good. Love watching a bit of Top League. That may do it from us, boys, I reckon. Um, everyone else, make sure you are following us on social media, at Instagram, at Running Rugby Podcast. See some of those highlights we put up, as well as uh, the teams when they come out. And have your go at tipping and see if you can match what we're doing so far just to let everyone know i am in the lead i have not tipped a game wrong yet this season for both au and aotearoa um that's at running rugby podcast or on twitter at running rugby pod and make sure you are following and um, subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast as well a couple of big games this weekend guys make sure you've booked your time out on the couch um for friday saturday and sunday rugby it's a great time of year until next week, keep on running. Run.